Good morning. This is Alan Carroll at Carroll Pharmacy in Smithfield, and we are proud to bring you Hope for Today, a program we hope might help you, inspire you, or encourage you and give you hope for today. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of Hope for Today. For a long time before this program launched, I would read from several devotionals and my Bible each day, as I still do nearly every day. And I would also read poems or other inspirational pieces that friends would email to me from time to time. And the thought would cross my mind that I wish others could hear what I had just read. And I realized that God was putting that thought in my head. And so each day and night when I read, I make notes about which things I'd like to share with you This week, I have had the hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, on my mind. I really have been thinking that this is a hymn I would like sung at my funeral because God has been faithful to me for as long as I can remember. I wish I could say that I had been as faithful to Him as He has been to me. I want to read you the story behind the hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And it's based on Lamentations 3, 22 through 24. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in Him. You don't need to be rescued from life-threatening danger or see God's miraculous provision in the direst of financial crises to truly know the faithfulness of the Lord. God remains faithful day in and day out in the largest and smallest of circumstances. Thomas Chisholm wrote, Great is Thy Faithfulness, as a testament to God's faithfulness through his very ordinary life. Born in a log cabin in Franklin, Kentucky, Chisholm became a Christian when he was 27 and entered the ministry when he was 36, though poor health forced him to retire after just one year. During the rest of his life, Chisholm spent many years living in New Jersey and working as a life insurance agent. Still, even with a desk job, he wrote nearly 1,200 poems throughout his life, including several published hymns. Chisholm explained toward the end of his life, My income has not been large at any time due to impaired health in the earlier years, which has followed me on until now although I must not fail to record here the unfailing faithfulness of a covenant-keeping God and that He has given me many wonderful displays of His providing care, for which I am filled with astonishing gratefulness. Just think, with each new day, God gives us the chance to prove His faithfulness. And throughout history, He's never once been proven wrong, for His mercies are new every morning, no matter what. The prophet Jeremiah wrote two uh, of the books in the Old Testament, the one that bears his name, and then the very next book, Lamentations. God had spoken to Jeremiah and told him to prophesy to the people of their coming destruction and their lengthy captivity. I want to read you some of chapter 3 of Lamentations, beginning in verse 1. And this, of course, is Jeremiah speaking, and these are the words God has given him. And also, this is his reality that he has lived in. I am the man who has seen the afflictions that come from the rod of God's wrath. He has brought me into deepest darkness, 
shutting out all light. He has turned against me. Day and night his hand is heavy on me. He has made me old and has broken my bones. He has built forts against me and surrounded me with anguish and distress. He buried me in dark places like those long dead. He has walled me in. I cannot escape. He has fastened me with heavy chains. And though I cry and shout, he will not hear my prayers. He has shut me into a place of high, smooth walls. He has filled my path with detours. He lurks like a bear, like a lion waiting to attack me. He has dragged me into the underbrush and torn me with his claws and left me bleeding and desolate. He has bent his bow and aimed it squarely at me and sent his arrows deep within my heart. My own people laugh at me. All day long they sing their ribald songs. He has filled me with bitterness and given me a cup of deepest sorrows to drink. He has made me eat gravel and broken my teeth. He has rolled me in ashes and dirt. O Lord, all peace and all prosperity have long since gone, for you have taken them away. I have forgotten what enjoyment is. All hope is gone. My strength has turned to water, for the Lord has left me. Oh, remember the bitterness and suffering you have dealt to me, for I can never forget these awful years. Always my soul will live in utter shame. Yet there is one ray of hope. His compassions never his compassion never ends. It is only the Lord's mercies that have kept us from complete destruction. Great is his faithfulness. His loving kindness begins afresh each day. My soul claims the Lord as my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is wonderfully good to those who wait for him, to those who seek for him. It is good both to hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. I love those last verses, yet there is one ray of hope. His compassion never ends. His mercies are new every morning. I now want to read you about one of Jesus' miracles recorded by the Apostle John in chapter 5 of his, um, of his gospel book. And uh, this miracle involves the healing of a man who had been sick for 38 years. This miracle took place at the Bethsaida pool near the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem. Several years ago, Kay and I were fortunate enough to go to Israel, and we actually saw the site of this pool with the several porches that surrounded it. I want to read you John's account of this miracle from the Life Application Bible and a couple of the notes that accompany these verses. Afterwards, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish religious holidays. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was Bethsaida Pool, with five covered platforms or porches surrounding it. Crowds of sick folk, lame, blind, or with paralyzed limbs, lay on the platforms, waiting for a certain movement of the water. For an angel of the Lord came from time to time and disturbed the water, and the first person to step down into it afterwards was healed. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew how long he had been ill, he asked him, Would you like to get well? I can't, the sick man said, for I have no one to help me into the pool at the movement of the water. While I am trying to get there, someone else always gets in ahead of me. Jesus told him, Stand up, roll up your sleeping mat, and go on home. 
Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up the mat and began walking. But it was on the Sabbath when this miracle was done. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, You can't work on the Sabbath. It's illegal to carry that sleeping mat. The man who healed me told me to, was his reply. Who said such a thing as that, they demanded. The man didn't know, and Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, Now you are well. Don't sin as you did before, or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went to find the Jewish leaders and told them it was Jesus who had healed him. And this is from the notes on uh, verse Verse 6, Jesus appropriately asked, Would you like to get well? After 38 years, the man's problem had become a way of life. No one had ever helped him. He had no hope of ever being healed and no desire to help himself. No matter how trapped you feel in your infirmities, God can minister to your deepest needs. Don't let a problem or hardship cause you to lose hope. God may have special work for you to do in spite of your condition or even because of it. Many have ministered effectively to people who hurt because they have triumphed over their own hurts. And two people that come to mind when I read this about, you know, how people have ministered effectively, I think of Johnny Erickson Tata, who was paralyzed from her neck down, I think when maybe she was um, a late teenager. And then the other one is Fanny Crosby, who became blind, I think, around the age of two years old. And, and those women certainly had a ministry and they, that they fulfilled and they helped many people. And then here are the notes from um, chapter 5, verse 14. This man had been lame or paralyzed, but now he could walk. This was a great miracle. But he needed an even greater miracle, to have his sins forgiven. The man was delighted to be physically healed. But he had to turn from his sins and seek God's forgiveness to be spiritually healed. God's forgiveness is the greatest gift you will ever receive. In um, Charles Spurgeon's Evening by Evening devotional, I want to read you what he had to say about this man who was healed. Like many others, this impotent man had been waiting for a wonder to be performed and a sign to be given. He grew tired watching the pool, but no angel came, or at least not for him. Still, considering it to be his only chance, he kept waiting, not knowing that there was one near him whose word could heal him in a moment. Many are in the same condition. They are waiting for some singular emotion, remarkable impression, or celestial vision, but they wait and watch in vain. Even supposing that, in a few cases, remarkable signs are seen, yet these are rare, and no man has a right to look for them in his own case, especially not the man who feels his inability to take advantage of the moving of the water, even if it came. It is sad to think of how many tens of thousands are waiting on the use of means and ordinances and vows and resolutions, and have been waiting for so long and completely in vain. Meanwhile, these poor souls forget that Jesus is near, and he bids them look to him and be saved. He could heal them at once, but they prefer to wait for an angel or a wonder. To trust him is the sure way to every blessing, and he is worthy of the most implicit confidence. But unbelief makes them prefer to wait for the water to stir them than to embrace the warm welcome of his love. 
May the Lord turn his eye upon the multitudes who are in that divine position this morning. May he forgive their lack of faith in his divine power and call them by his sweet constraining voice to rise from the bed of despair and in the energy of faith take up their bed and walk. O Lord, hear our prayer for such as these in the sunset hour and before a new dawn may they look and live. And listener, is there anything in this portion for you? So if you have people that you have been praying for, or maybe you just feel like you don't have you don't have enough faith in Jesus to think that He can save you from your sins, um, He can. And I hope that um, that you will seek Him and seek that power that He has and ask for forgiveness, so that you will know the salvation of the Lord. And I also want to read from you, from Oswald Chambers' book um, what he says in, on September 12th and read you some verses from Luke. And let me get back over here to Luke. Um, okay, here we are. Okay. There are times in your spiritual life when there is confusion, and the way out of it is not simply to say that you should not be confused. It is not a matter of right and wrong but a matter of God taking you through a way that you temporarily do not understand. And it is only by going through the spiritual confusion that you will come to the understanding of God, of what God wants for you. And I'm going to read these verses from Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through 8. Then teaching them more about prayer, Jesus used this illustration. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You would shout up to him, A friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing to give him to eat. And the man up that was in the bed asleep says, He would call from his bedroom, Please don't ask me to get up. The door is locked for the night and we are all in bed. I just can't help you this time. But I'll tell you this. Though he won't do it as a friend, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you everything you want just because of your persistence. Okay, Jesus gave this illustration here of a man who appears not to care for his friend. He was saying, in effect, that is how the Heavenly Father will appear to you at times. You will think that he is an unkind friend, but remember, he is not. The time will come when everything will be explained. There seems to be a cloud on the friendship of the heart, and often even love itself has to wait in pain and tears for the blessing of fuller fellowship and oneness. When God appears to be completely shrouded, will you hang on with confidence in Him? And now I want to read uh, from Luke chapter 11, verses 11 through 13. You men who are fathers, if your boy asks for bread, do you give him a stone? If he asks for fish... Do you give him a snake? If he asks for an egg, do you give him a scorpion? Of course not. And if if, if even sinful persons like yourselves give children what they need, don't you realize that your heavenly Father will do at least as much and give the Holy Spirit to those who ask for him? Okay, then coming back to Oswald Chambers' book. Jesus said that there are times when your father will appear as if he were an unnatural father, as if he were callous and indifferent. But remember, he is not. Everyone who asks receives. If all you see is a shadow on the face of the father right now, 
hang on to the fact that he will ultimately give you clear understanding and will fully justify himself in everything that he has allowed into your life. And now I'm going to read from Luke chapter 18 that I thought I had marked and I don't, so hold on just one second. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 18 verses 1 through 8. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to illustrate their need for constant prayer and to show them that they must keep praying until the answer comes. There was a city judge, he said, a very godless man who had great contempt for everyone. A widow of that city came to him frequently to appeal for justice against a man who had harmed her. The judge ignored her for a while, but eventually she got on his nerves. I fear neither God nor man, the judge said to himself, but this woman bothers me. I'm going to see that she gets justice, for she is wearing me out and her con- with her constant coming. Then the Lord said, If even an evil judge can be worn down like that, don't you think that God will surely give justice to his people who plead with him day and night? Yes, he will answer them quickly. But the question is, when I, the Messiah, return, how many will I find who have faith and are praying? And then going back to chamber, chambers, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Will he find the kind of faith that counts on him in spite of the confusion? Stand firm in faith, believing that what Jesus said is true, although in the meantime you do not understand what God is doing. He has bigger issues at stake than the particular things you are asking of him right now. So let us never lose faith. When you cannot hold on to God because of some sorrow or bitterness or deep hurt, he will hold on to you. I want to read you these words from the Apostle Paul found in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. What a wonderful God we have. He is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the source of every mercy, and the one who so wonderfully comforts and strengthens us in our hardships and trials. And why does he do this? So that when others are troubled, needing our sympathy and encouragement, we can pass on to them this same help and comfort that God has given us. You can be sure that the more we undergo sufferings for Christ, the more he will shower us with his comfort and encouragement. We are in deep trouble for bringing you God's comfort and salvation. But in our trouble, God has comforted us, and this too to help you, to show you from our personal experience how God will tenderly comfort you when you undergo these same sufferings. He will give you the strength to endure. And over here in the section about the themes of the book of James, excuse me, of 2 Corinthians, uh, it says, God is faithful. His strength is sufficient for any trial. When trials come, they keep us from pride and teach us dependence on God. He comforts us so that we can comfort others. And then I want to read you what the Lord's um, half-brother James said in his book of James. And this is what he says in chapter 1, starting with verse 2. Dear brothers, is your life full of difficulties and temptations? Then be happy, for when the way is rough, your patience has a chance to grow. So let it grow, and don't try to squirm out of your problems. For when your patience is finally in full bloom, then you will be ready for anything, strong in character, full and complete. So, now, 
Living faith makes a difference. Make sure that your faith is more than just a statement. It should also result in action. Be alert to ways of putting your faith to work. The Apostle Paul wrote these words in his second letter to Timothy, a young church leader whom he regarded as a son. And this is from 2 Timothy 2, verse 13. Even when we are too weak to have any faith left, he remains faithful to us and will help us, for he cannot disown us who are part of himself. And he will always carry out his promises to us. That's the end of that verse. What you need to know is, are you part of him? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and received forgiveness of your sins? Have you asked for that forgiveness? Or have you lost your faith? Where is your faith? Where is your hope for today? I want to leave you today with this verse from Psalm 119.43. May I never forget your words, for they are my only hope. Thank you for listening.
have been listening to Hope for Today, brought to you each Sunday morning by Carroll Pharmacy. We hope the message today has helped and encouraged you. If we can ever help you with your prescriptions, over-the-counter medications, or vaccines, we hope you will come in to our family-owned and operated independent pharmacy, where outstanding customer service is our goal. 